Hello and welcome to Scopy Radio. My name is Daniel Johansson. And I'm Maureen Smith. And we are joined today by Daniel Felsenfeld Woo-hoo! and Jenny Ketchum. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and by the way, we're live at Nightcap Coffee Bar yes. in Pilsen. Everything's coming up, Scott. <laughs> um, so yeah, so great. So we just heard the premiere of your set of monodramas, She After. And I'm curious, especially for the people um, that are listening at home, if you would mind telling us, I'd love to just basically hear about it from your perspective. Absolutely. So um, so there are three monodramas, and I'll do them in the order uh, they you heard them, though the order that you heard them is not necessarily the order they have to be in. It's modular. So it can be in any order. But the first one was called Nora and the Great Outdoors. Uh, and it is by, um, the libretto is by this guy, Will Eno, who is an amazing uh, darling of, of Broadway and off-Broadway as a playwright. Uh, he's sort of the heir apparent to Edward Albee. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he wrote this, I, the whole thing started because when I was about 18 years old, I, I saw a production of, uh, of Doll's House by Ibsen. And I thought, that's great, but what happens to her, like, the, like what happens to her right after she slams that door? Mm-hmm. And that always, to me, was, like, one of the more interesting questions. Because it's one of, I mean, for anybody who doesn't know the play, it's probably the most famous stage direction, uh, this side of Exit Pursued by a Bear, which is that Nora leaves <laughs> her family. She slams the door at the very end of this play. And it's a, it's a it was a huge thing. It was a huge feminist statement. Uh, in in eighteen ninety, blah, 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 I don't remember exactly when, but like mm-hmm. uh, whenever it came out, uh, for for a woman to leave her family uh, as a grown person, and it, it it required a lot of thought. And then uh, the, Will Eno was the absolute perfect guy to write this. So this is what you hear. It's basically Nora walking from her door to her gate, um, mm-hmm. and what she's going through and what she's thinking. Um, and then the next one is called Alice uh, uh, in the Time of the Jabberwock, um, and that is with a libretto by Robert Coover, who is. Uh, conceivably the most amazing novelist still going. Uh, the, and nobody knows who he is, or if you do, it's a boutique item. But he is, he is just go read everything Robert Coover wrote, especially a book called Pinocchio in Venice, which is about Pinocchio returning to uh, Venice as an old man. Because what happens to Pinocchio? Mm. Like, he becomes a real boy, and then you don't, like, he's got to go live in this world, right? Then he yeah. has to, like... Take out loans to go to school. Yeah, yeah. no, he right. becomes no so, so in, <laughs> in Coover's reading, he becomes a, 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 an English professor. Okay, um, and then he, he's returning to Venice because as an old man, he's turning back into wood, and he needs to figure out how not to do that. It's oh. it's it's the most breathtaking, and it get and that's not even the weird part. It just gets weirder from there. Um, but he wrote this book called A Child Again, and, and had in it a story called Alice in the Time of the Jabberwock. And I said, my God, would you do this into a libretto for me? And he did it, and it was so beautiful. And then so I had these two Victorian heroines, one who had left and one who was stuck. And what I needed was something that would tie it together, which was something up to the minute, something super sexy, something contemporary, and something written by a woman, because I've made this mistake of having only men write these uh, libretti. Isn't that always the way? (laughs) Uh, It was, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I wouldn't call it a mistake, because they did great work, but mm-hmm. I wanted something the, for these feminist themes. I thought maybe right. we should have a female mm-hmm. voice. And so I heard, uh, I read a review in the LA Times of a book called I Am Jenny mm-hmm. by somebody called Jenny Ketchum. That's me! Who's right next to me. <laughs> um, and I will let her tell you a little bit about what the book is. If you don't mind. Uh, about the book? The book, The yeah. book, the book. 
Uh, basically, the book is about how to like fuck up your life and then how to unfuck it up. So it's um, yeah, it's a it's a memoir. I've I spent the first eight years of my adult life in the adult film business and then ended up leaving the business by um, route of a Dr. Drew show, which was kind of not the anticipated career-boosting move that I thought it was going to be, because they don't serve alcohol in rehab, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) And then when you don't drink, your feelings turn back on, and then you have to figure that out. So basically, that's the book is about, like, figuring that out. It's so smart, it is so wise, and it is so funny. And I've come to know Jenny over the years now, and she is so smart and so wise and so funny. She's all those things. And it was just, um, so I approached you, uh, and you seemed a little dubious at first. I was uh, like, who is this man? <laughs> but, um, what is a composer? But I asked her to, uh, I asked her to, to fashion her book into a, a libretto, and she didn't actually do that. She did something totally different, which I think was, was great, which was this beautiful reflective, um, super sad and super hopeful. And like, as a, you know, it's, it's funny, this is like the second time I've heard it and hearing it as a father, it's mm. heart, it's, it's so heartbreaking. And I like, I couldn't even look at her during the performance cause it just, I, you know, somebody's going through a hard time. But anyway, that was the, that was my choice for the third bit of she after. And you know, one of these days I'm going to make a project that does not have such a complicated explanation. Yeah, because I always say that my, my elevator, nah, that, yeah. my elevator pitches that. need extremely tall buildings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but I long for the day where I was like, what are you working on? I could say, like, a string quartet. Yeah. That's so simple. But mm-hmm. no, I have these, like, long, scaffolded, lattice explanations. But anyway, I wanted to write a... a, a I, I was really thrilled to be writing a piece that was about women, thinking like women, being complicated, being scared, being sad, being frustrated. Um, the The... The you know the patriarchy is never mentioned, but it need not be, mm-hmm. um, in, especially in all three of these things. Um, wh- you know where Alice says, uh, you know, I'm not just an entertainment. Mm-hmm. You know that pretty little girl has mm-hmm. gone away. Like think about Alice as a menopausal person still stuck in Wonderland, and that's funny for a moment, and that's and then it's terrifying. Awful. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. and, and it's awful. Yeah, and that's what she is in in this in this iteration. So. You know, there's two, one sort of real fictional character, one completely fictional character, and one actual human uh, with her actual name. And I thought that was a really nice way to explain mm-hmm. the... This it was also like part character. Yeah. 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 Like actual human and then like in part. Yeah, I imagine, I imagine, I mean, your, your book is a lot about becoming her. Yeah. You know, becoming another person while you were doing what you were doing. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to sort of capture that. Yeah. Well, so my next question, actually, um, uh, some of the things we talked about tying to it really well, which is that I'm curious, uh, when you were approached to put together a libretto, what, were, what was your perspective on that? I mean, like, how did you take, what was, like, the first thing that you were like, I need to do this or I'm that? I'm curious like, about this, too. Yeah, like, <laughs> what, what were your first steps? What were the first things that you think, you, you thought that you needed to do and what ended up needing to happen? Well, I mean, so I thought it was, I thought it was bullshit first to be entirely honest. I was like, it's not a real thing that people do. Like, I mean, it is. And ultimately, um, I I think I was so befuddled by the fact that somebody who had, uh, that somebody had interest in me enough to contact my agent 
and to contact me. And I, I at the time when Danny and I first started developing a relationship, because it's something that really grew organically our relationship mm. and I didn't just come out the gates and write this thing for him it was like right. there was like a courting period where we would talk and he would send me pictures of his darling daughter and you know <laughs> we would yeah. just uh, connect and um, it, I think it, it took quite some time for me to actually trust that uh, you weren't just some not like a weirdo necessarily but <laughs> but that, that you weren't just some like random dude yeah. getting in touch with an ex-porn star and like trying to con her into writing something like just to get close to her mm-hmm. and which is very much um, indicative of the world that I was living in yeah I was just gonna say like coming from a world that isn't that is pretty much entirely like exploitation yeah like it's hard not to then assume that people coming in contact with you would then try to exploit you. Yes. Especially in a setting that is like taking something that is so personal, Mm -hmm. whether it be your body, your sexuality, or in this case, your experience with that and coming out of it. Like Mm -hmm. it's, it's only natural to me Mm -hmm. that, um, the hesitance, (laughs) you know? Yeah. You know, I have to say, I fully anticipated that too. And I, I, I wanted to approach her with like, the most distance and you know the least creep and I, I knew I would have to build trust nailed here. it I, well you know I, I, I mean I meant it there yeah, is, no, you I can know. write a libretto and I am as weird as you maybe suspected I was but, <laughs> but I love way. it and, and, you know, but I like, love your weird and I, I think I said to her like if I, if I was interested in, in pursuing you in some kind of you know sexual way this would not be the most direct route weird shit happens when you're doing porn you know that, like that would not be the like on that would not be the weirdest route of being approached at all at all well now i'm here it, it weirdly seems like the least common denominator for terrible people is is that not terrible but like questionable all people yeah. let's say like it's it's a so one of the things I don't know, I don't know how y'all where y'all are at politically, but I'm gonna assume that um, one of the things that happened, I think, for a lot of us when like 45 was elected, was like we started realizing what the rest of the country is like. You know what I mean? Like in, in a lot of ways, we started each realizing like the like veneer of society kind of, of slipped like, away. Of and, like, like, oh, most people are probably good people. Like I don't, th- I don't really think that anymore. Yeah, I mean, I think I think all. So my sort of belief about people is that all people are good people, and they just have different experiences that inform different ideas. And so I think if we approach what we're going through, I mean, I've lived in Seattle and I identify with Seattle. So like, I'm in a like bubble of gnarly progressive mm-hmm. liberalism, mm-hmm. and uh, and but I also live in Washington, right? With, which is filled with really good, hardworking people, and so I. I think it's so important to take this, like, every person is a good person at their core, and then we just go through things that give us different ideas about how the world works. Right. Yeah, but that doesn't mean you want to write an opera with every one of them. No, I fucking don't. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Absolutely not. Yeah. No, no I, I mean, I have, to, I, I have to say, like, I, I'm pretty good at approaching uh, people to collaborate with. It's a, it's a skill I've developed because I like 
doing it, and I'm I, like I've I've approached people of you know of of renown and of people who have had bizarre things happen. I just had an email with like Lydia Lunch today. I'm approaching her. I don't know if anybody knows who that is, but like a, a punk goddess of my childhood cool. uh, who wrote me this beautiful thing. Like I'm really I'm I'm good at approaching complicated people. It's something I actually really like doing because I like working with complicated people. Mm-hmm. Because but you're complicated. I, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> like I strive. But <laughs> I really strive to be complicated. I, yeah. t- I, took, I took great pains to like not be weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I not even seem weird and like give Jenny a wide berth and you know like just make it clear that like I was here for a serious reason and there was no creepy reason right. beyond this and I you know it was it was it it was hard I mean I got to say it was like it was a difficult thing because I really liked her book and I really liked her personality and I watched some interviews with you and I had seen you know I, you know it was just I knew who you were and and it was amazing to get to know you at this level and she calms me down a lot of the time like she has Aww. this like very positive attitude and I sometimes have trouble like she just said everybody was worth it and I'm like not sure I agree. No, they're fucking not. <laughs> so, often I seek out the wisdom of Jenny when I'm having a really rough time. I become like a great friend and stuff. Yeah. So. Um, well, so I would love to talk a little bit more about uh, this desire of yours to find complicated subject material. And I specifically want to ask you about uh, the nature of your musical style. Um, do you, How does do those things end up finding their way into the music? Um, what are some of the things that you strive for musically, generally? Well, I mean, I think my music is, is um, like, I have a, a, a pretty classic, like, Catholic small C taste, so I kind of like a lot of things, and it all kind of goes into this big stew, which has always been super frustrating to me, because we were just talking about this at the table, like, it's not Samuel Barber calm, and it's not radically experimental, and it has moments of all of this, and I think this is why I like opera, because you can get away with anything if the story asks it of you. So at the moment you want to, like, you feel like that character needs a moment of calm, you can write a, an F major triad and it'll be fine. And the, if that character needs a moment of, of, of incredible torpor, you can write something super chaotic. Yeah. So it's, I, I don't, it's funny, I just, I had to write this week, like, a, a two sentences about my compositional style. Mm. And I've just never been able to uh, nail it down. Yeah. And I'm not, not Elevator pitch. Yeah, I suck at elevator pitches, clearly. <laughs> yeah. um, but I just, I don't, I don't, I even, like, like, I have things that I love, and I, and like, every piece I write is like a soup of influences and a soup mm-hmm. of, 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 of even little tiny quotes or little references or stuff that's for nobody but me, just to get me from point A to point Z, because uh, point Z is really far when you're at point A. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, I mean, I, I, I guess I like complicated subject matter because my music is unsettled. And so mm-hmm. I like unsettled ideas, and that helps me. I mean, you know, I'm writing an opera about uh, about Dr. Kinsey right now. It's one of the most complicated oh, wow. figures I can imagine in history, uh, because you know he's gone from being totally obsolete to totally relevant in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, like we did a reading of it. Uh, it's called The Inner Circle, and and, and uh, between nights one and two, gay marriage became legal, and it was so oh, thrilling. God. And I got to stand up in front of this largely queer audience and say. Congratulations! You're, what you're watching is is a step closer to being totally unnecessary uh, than it was before, and everybody celebrated and cheered, and it was totally amazing. And sadly, I feel like it's more necessary now than it was then, and that's 
I guess this is why I like these complicated subjects, because they rub history in a very bizarre way. And especially dealing with uh, issues of, of feminism, which, mm. which is something I'm about as committed to as I can think of. And not just because I have a daughter, because I was committed to having a daughter before I was committed to anything. Like, when we were pregnant, I'm like, I hope that's a girl. Because I just won't have a steep of a learning curve, and I will, and I feel like I, I'm a good parent to a girl because I believe in the power of women, like deeply and unimpeachably and beyond anything. I think, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I've benefited personally from I'm sitting next to one of them. Uh, you came from, out of one. I did, I did, <laughs> but we all presumably did. We all did. did. Yeah, it's, yeah. yeah, but it's but it's but it's beyond that. It's it's like. I have seen I have seen such raw strength and amazing brilliance and creativity and stuff from my my female friends more than my male friends and maybe you could talk to my shrink about this, um, <laughs> but I always wanted to write pieces that that gave women a place because if you know when you're talking about checking your privilege I am a, I am a white male and I feel like if I can do something to like you know to to use that that rarefied position to make some kind of big statement about the, this kind of actual power, um, I'm going to do that as much as I can. So that's, you know, I don't know if that, how that plays out in my music, because I don't think my music is like, you know, I, I wouldn't call it like anybody's idea of feminine, except for I might call it my idea of feminine, and that it is complicated, it is strong, it is loud, it is determined. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what's going to happen, and it does not fuck around. <laughs> well, what I did hear in your music was real affection for the characters. Um, And I think that that is more than anything like the most important way that you know, a white a white male can like showcase women that he's writing about. You know, is like like taking care to portray these these women in the most honest way possible and I think that you were successful in that because I came out of each movement like really invested in each of these women so yeah well I mean you know I've you know I've had conversations with other composers where you know like I've said oh I've I've," they asked me what's she after about and I tell them and I get to the part about Jenny and they're like oh you know a porn star as if this is some like radical sexy thing and I'm like, yes, I do. She's fucking amazing. I value her. I would trust her with my life, with my child. Um, you know, uh, in fact, when I told when I first although, although let's be honest, I don't know. Th- I mean, you could have trusted me when I was performing, but I didn't really trust myself with myself. I mean, I, you, your daughter would have been fine ultimately. Like if I was babysitting or something, like we wouldn't have done anything too crazy. But like ultimately. Like Except a, for kayaking, which you keep threatening. Kayaking is a totally <laughs> fine thing that normal people do. I'm yeah. from New York. It's weird. She's coming kayaking with me, okay. and you're just going to have to deal yeah. with it. There's probably some dope kayaking in Washington. Yeah, like this is what we do. We don't have it in New York City. Yeah, we, that's fair. They saw a fly, and they you were don't like, go into the nature. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, uh, like... I mean, but like, you know, I, I, when I told Elizabeth about what I wanted to do and how I, I read your book and I met you and I told her all about you, the first thing she said is, she live here? And I said, why? And she said, well, I think she should babysit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and if you did, you would. Oh, yeah. He, I would be there all the time. But anyway, the point is like... She would be at my house. Like, I've, I've, I've talked to a number of like, you know, macho shithead male composers uh, uh, and what? I've said, yeah, I know, I know. Um, and I've said like, 
oh, I'm right, I, and I've written this opera with this, with this former porn star. And they're like, ooh. And I'm like, that's not, ugh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's very frustrating. So my affection is real. And I think I'm glad yeah. you caught that because my affection mm-hmm. and, and for Jenny as a person, but for also Jenny, the character. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and, and knowing how difficult that was and how exhausting that was and having conversations with you about how, how scared you must have been. And just like, you know, my heart went out to her. And it was like, it was not a, reading your book is not a, it is nobody's idea of a sexy experience. Or if it is somebody's idea of a sexy experience, I would not like to meet them. I've been told um, it's very uncomfortable, especially if you know me. Spectacular. I, I couldn't read it again yeah. if I, it, now that I know you. I, yeah. could, I don't think I could because it was hard going then. So um, we uh, need to be out of here by 9 o'clock. All right. So I, I would like to, for the last couple minutes, open it up to any questions that any Wait, of can, our... can I Can I say oh, one thing please, before you do absolutely. it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Emily Cox did all of this on, on her own steam, and so I think brilliant. she... like. This is amazing, and I, I would like the room mm-hmm. to applaud this yeah. amazing artist. It's 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 it is precious rare when a composer has somebody who is that dedicated mm-hmm. to their work who doesn't know them. You know, she it wasn't like we were old friends who went to college together. You know, we just met not terribly long ago. We just met in person for the first time here tonight. Um, but wow, that that this is not an easy piece. And she put all of this together on her own, and like watching her like going up on this piano, and then like writing, <laughs> put writing the chalk sign outside. Like this is a dedicated person, and, and the world needs more people like her. So I just I think that needs to be acknowledged. Agree. Absolutely. And now now go ahead and do it. Oh yeah. <laughs> so if anybody has any questions, please feel free. Oh well, shit. Got nothing. Not all at once. <laughs> what is next? What's next? Nice. It's funny. I'm. 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 I'm actually. Uh, you know, mezzo sopranos don't have enough in this in this so world. True. <laughs> There's one now. Uh, no, I mean, actually, I, I. This is this is a real thing. Like there are there are you know there are multiple voice types for those not in the know, and sopranos get all the good parts, and mezzos. What is it? Witches, bitches, and britches. Yeah. I mean. And like the best pieces for mezzos, they either like there's the rape of Lucretia, which in the title doesn't bode well, um, or there's Carmen, and she is is definitely sexy, and she does pay for it. Um, and those are sort of the, to me the two ultimate mezzo roles. And and there's not enough out there for them. I mean, Mark Adamo wrote wrote Joe for a mezzo, uh, this super strong woman. But I want to do a, basically a sequel to this, where I'm going to I'm approaching writers now. And I have a new trick where I'm trying to get people who have no investment in opera, much like the lovely person beside me, who, to write libretti and just kind of, so they don't have any preconceived notions and they don't want to do any right. letter scenes. You're so, going to get swear words. Hope so. Um, Bunch of cunts. Yeah. Bunch hope of cunts. So. <laughs> cunt, cunt, cunt. <laughs> Benefits of being an explosive that's podcast. That's the name, and that is the name. Of, that's the name of the piece. Cut, um, cut, cut, cut. Yeah. No, I, 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 so right now I've got, I've got. Um, Catch it on uh, what is Leonard Hall? Leonard, what is that fucking? Um, oh, Hal Leonard. Yeah, Hal Leonard. <laughs> no, but I'm, I'm seeing that right now the heroes are kind of our journalists. Like our our current heroes, I, I don't want to get a lawyer to write an opera with me, though I think they mm. are heroic right now. But journalists, real journalists. Um, so the one person who is has signed on to do this project is is my friend Lauren Duca, 
who, if it's not a known name to you, she is the amazing human who's made Teen Vogue. Uh, oh, like, yeah, the hot spot for for um, for political, genuine political reporting. She is a bad ass. She kind of scares me, and she's all of I believe twenty six, and has already like shouted down Tucker Carlson, and and is like is not stopping and is really holding uh, this particular administration's feet to the fire in a beautiful, nuanced, and interesting fashion. So she's agreed to do one bit, and I have other people I'm, I'm talking to uh, at the moment. But, uh, you know, I want to have... Curating? Yeah. I've th- I'm going to have three female writers this time, because uh, that was... I, I like what happened, but I, th- I think I could go deeper on that particular thing. And there's so many good ones. I mean, Absolutely. there's like, like I'm having trouble narrowing down who I want to ask. Um, so that's what's next. Other than the opera I'm writing about, Dr. Kinsey, um, and, and other than um, uh, I'm, we're also finishing an, another opera based on a novella by Angela Carter called The Bloody Chamber, which is a feminist bluebeard. So I'm way cool. in on the feminist thing, I guess. Cool. <laughs> that's what's next. All right. Well, the last thing we do with all of our guests is a one-minute plug for anything they have upcoming. Uh, I mean, I, that was part of it. But, like, I got the other thing that it is, too, sometimes, like, it's obvious and sometimes it's not. And so we also ask for, like, shout-outs to people that are doing dope work and also uh, good self-care things like books that are or TV shows or things like that that you're currently enjoying. Um, oh, I, right now I'm enjoying... Um, nobody reads Gore Vidal anymore. And he's, I think he's great. So he has a he has a whole series of books called Narratives of Empire, uh, which is a beautiful paean to uh, an America that may not ever exist anymore. Um, so I'm, it starts with Burr, who you may know from Hamilton, mm-hmm. um, Aaron Burr, and it goes up through I believe the end of World Alexander War II. Alexander Hamilton. That's the guy. <laughs> it's amazing how good that musical is when I'm reading this historically informed book and how much of that is already is is shoved into that show. Um, so I'm, I'm reading a lot about the history of this once great nation. That's that's interesting to me right now for some reason. Can't yeah, imagine. Who knows why? Who knows why? <laughs> <laughs> I am reading. Um, so I've been. I'm a therapist and a social worker now, and I've been doing a lot of um, work on self compassion um, because it turns out that we're all pretty hard on ourselves, and there's a. Um, a really lovely book by a woman named Kristen Neff. She's a researcher out of Texas. Um, it's called Self-Compassion, like the proven power of being kind to yourself. It sounds a little cheesy, but it's it's just, it's so wise and it's so heartfelt and it uh, makes so much sense to prioritize being kind to yourself over this idea of self-esteem. Because self-esteem leaves you when you do shitty, right? Yeah. But like you can always be kind to yourself. So anyway. Cool. Yeah, I'm learning how to be nicer. There's myself. nobody who's taught me to be nicer to myself gonna... more than Jen. Oh, it's true. Thanks, Danny. It's, it's totally true. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> cool. Well, that's a good note to end on. Well, yeah. thank you all so much for listening. I've been Dan Johansson. I continue to be Maureen Smith. If you want to keep up with what we're up to, there are a ton of ways you can do that. You can head over to scopymag.com. That's our website. Uh, we have all of our articles there from the last three years. Otherwise, you can find us on the social media places like Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. On Facebook, we're Scopy Magazine. Instagram and Twitter are both at Scopy Mag. So it's S-C-A-P-I-M-A-G. Cool. Um, upcoming, um, the, our next project is this Thursday at the Red Line Tap. We're going to be doing a poetry night. Um, 
with some really talented Chicagoland poets. It's going to be really cool, really intimate. I'm really excited about it. I think it's going to be a refreshing change from like the hustle and bustle of what we've been doing for the past mm -hmm. three weeks. Um, so yeah, come check that out. Um, also, then we're going to be taking a week off because God damn it, we deserve it. Yeah. Um, God and then, damn it, we deserve God it. damn it. And then uh, on July 4th, we're going to be back here at Nightcap Coffee Bar for a big 4th of July party. We're going to be doing all sorts of Americana-related activities. We're all very excited about it. Uh, and then July 6th, we're going to be playing D&D &D Live at Redline Tap mm -hmm. because we're nerds. Yep. Uh, so and it'll be with three wow, people involved yeah. with the Arts and Dragons. Like yep, Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Um, in the arts, uh, with different arts organizations in Chicago who have never played D&D before. Mm -hmm. So it's just going to be the perfect, like... Cross section of our interests. Yeah. Will there be alcohol? Yes. It's at a bar. <laughs> makes so much sense. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be really fun. Shit's going to get weird. It's, I hope so. That's uh -huh. the plan. Yeah. Yep. All right. Uh, cool. And if you want to donate, uh, please do. You can head over to our about section on the website, scopymag.com. Um, we keep all of our events and all of our podcasts free uh, so that it can reach as many people as possible. Um, but in order to do that, it's, uh, it's very difficult. And so um, there are two ways that you can donate. You can head over to our website, uh, like I said, the About section. And you can don do a one-time donation. If you do that, then we'll send you a handwritten thank you note in the mail uh, if you consent to us having your address. And then um, <laughs> otherwise, you can also set up uh, a once-a-month donation through PayPal. Um, it's really it's a lot easier than it sounds. Um, and that it means the world to us every time we get a donation. There's like a one of us cries, at least. Because, mm -hmm. you know, make a life cry. Hard. Yeah. Make, me, make, make cry. me cry. Make me make her cry. <laughs> cool. All right. Uh, so please consider giving. Um, if you can't give, then listen, participate, and share. Cool. Thank you all so much for listening. Go out and make something. Yep. <laughs>